1: Busyness is not just a behavior, it's an attitude that claims ownership of our time. Moving away from busy behavior takes more than just solutions. It requires of us to discover the motivation underneath our behavior. As we understand what's driving us, we'll be better able to make changes and reclaim our time and not allow busy to set the pace of our life. Today we'll explore how we may reclaim our days from the hurried frenzy of getting it all done and how to break up with busy with our guest, Yvonne Talley. Yvonne Talley leads meditation and de-stressing programs for corporations, individuals, and private groups in Silicon Valley. She's an NLP Master Practitioner, and NLP stands for Neural Linguistic Programming. She has also co-founded Poised Inc., a Pilates and wellness training studio, and is the founder of the Sister of the Traveling Scarves, a charity that provides head scarves to cancer patients. She's the author of Breaking Up with Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. Join us for the next hour as we explore effective solutions to our time-strapped life with our guest, Yvonne Talley. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Yvonne, welcome. It's wonderful to be with you, Justine. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. I would love for you to to start off a little bit with your story, how you got into even thinking about being overwhelmed by busyness. And there was a story. You had a, an incident that... Stopped you in your tracks. It certainly
2: did. It stopped me in my busy tracks, that's for sure. Um, it, and there's so much irony around the story. I was so busy creating this lifestyle brand uh, through my company and helping people live a vibrant and healthy life. that I missed my own cues and my own signals that I was really far too busy, you know, the sleepless nights, the the fast pace. I would pride myself on going to work on, you know, four or five hours of sleep and getting getting the work done. And all of this time I just kept missing the signals that I was tired, I was irritable, and I wasn't caring for myself the way that I should have. And all of that landed me in the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack when in fact I was having a panic attack. And anyone who's ever had a panic attack, thankfully, I haven't had one. I'd never had one before, and I certainly haven't had one since, but it mimics so many of the signs. You you can't breathe. Everything goes dark. Um, I collapsed to the floor and just really struggled to catch my breath or to even breathe at that point. So...
1: Uh, and that, the paramedics had to come and.
2: Yes, yes, and they of course knew right away that it wasn't a heart attack, but they did suggest, you know, you should go to the hospital anyway and get checked out, which I did. I always call it was my most expensive Uber ride ever because it was in the <laughs> back of an ambulance. <laughs> oh wow! But <whoa. laughs> but, it, but it was the right thing to do, and it was a wake up call for me in that moment, because I thought, here I was, a positive thinking, healthy minded exercising, organic eating, meditating person. And even I miss the signs of all of this busy, overwhelmed feeling. And so I thought there's got to be a bigger picture. So.
1: And you're, you're pointing out that there are even very serious health implications or health risk to being overly busy
2: absolutely and the, you know the distractions we we and the multitasking and all of these things that come along but the the big thing that happens is we begin not to care for our body and our mind and that's really important when we start to opt out of things that at once at one time we really enjoyed and appreciated in our lives because now they're just another thing that we have to do and a burden so th- there's isolation that can also occur but when you keep a busy pace it can also affect the intimacy of your relationships as well, the emotional intimacy, because if we're distracted and we're keeping that busy pace, how can we allow that emotional intimacy to really come into the relationship if we're putting these busy pursuits ahead of time? And the other thing we look at too is that if you're mentoring people in the world or you're raising children you're teaching them to do exactly the same thing. And that's certainly what many of us are doing still. We're teaching our kids how to be busy. We're teaching them how to be distracted. And this constant ongoing source of anxiety and stress. And that's really the key, the elevation of cortisol, which we know is not good for us. It's the, the thing that's brought on by stress and anxiety, that hormone that's brought on by stress and anxiety. And that can really wear away at the body. So talk
1: about... What What is it that we put in that optional to-do that things start sliding over that really are helping our well-being? Slide over to, oh, well, that's just an option because I have to do this. Describe that kind of list of things that that happens to
2: us. Well, I put 10 signs in the book that I, once I started the book, just to back up a little bit on that, because what I did was I decided that I needed to come up with solutions. And again, the irony of that was I was already helping clients and I just organized them really well and developed more and put them into the book so that it was something that someone could pull out very easily. So many of the signs and many of the things that happen like you said where they start to slide into get, having to do these things all of the time and not having the balance which is really important for creating a rich and healthy life. So it's distractions. And it's very easy nowadays to be distracted. And there's three there's three things that really occur. The book is mainly geared towards women but this is we experience these distractions as a culture. So this idea of busyness allows us the false sense that we're important. Because if you're, if you're busy and, and I'm sharing my life with you or you're, we're part of the same social circle, then for us to fit in, there has to be a certain um, similarity to the things that we do and the way that we express ourselves. So this busyness gets set up not only from a cultural standpoint, because if you're doing it, I'm going to do it. That's how we connect. But also that feeling of importance. If I'm busy, I've got things to do. People want me, so being busy is a way that I know that I'm going to fit in and be important. What's really interesting is we've turned the idea of the leisure class on its head. We go back 50 years, and the way that we were important and the way that we felt that we had made it was we left that office at 5 p.m. We went home, we spent time with our family, and we took the weekend off. That was the signal that we have made it, and we've just really turned that on its head. And there's some real concrete reasons as to how that's happened. Certainly for women, economics plays a big role in it, and economics plays a big role in it for all of us because when time is scarce it's seen as more important and we want to fit as much as we possibly can into it. We don't want to waste it or squander it away. So this is a piece that gets put into the puzzle, so to speak. That's how we start to merge into that really busy uh, behavior and we're connecting. So we've already connected culturally and socially. Now we've had that sense of false importance and we've got things that we need to get done. The other piece of that is technology. We spend an average of five hours a day just on our phone. And if you're a millennial, it's more like eight hours. So we touch and it. And that's
1: not t- talking on the phone, it's but just, that's looking up social media or whatever, Instagram or whatever is the newest thing. Social media has is probably the biggest distraction for all of us.
2: And... And to the credit of the technology industry, and I don't want to bash them, I live right in the middle of the te- you know, the Silicon Valley. If it weren't for technology, we certainly wouldn't have the advances that we have in medical, just as an example. We certainly wouldn't be able to mobilize as quickly as we can now. So those are great things that come from technology, and there's other things as well. However, the downside to it is it has a very addictive nature to it, and we know that now. They sat, the, a couple of the groups sat before Congress a, a, a couple of weeks ago, and now are, they realize that what they put out there, we will do. Where in the first, in the beginning of it, it was, we're just going to put it out there, and you can choose from it.
1: And when you say a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about the summer of uh, 2018, Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank yes. you. Summer of 2018. Correct.
2: And the the situation has changed now where people are much more aware of the fact that it does have an addictive nature to it. However, we're fully now entrenched in this technology game. And now we have to put some boundaries around it. And it's like anything. It's like walking into the candy store And there's this new great candy, and we shove as much into our pockets as we possibly can before anyone notices because we want to try it. It's irresistible. It's delicious. We've heard all about it. That's technology.
1: Yes. So it's very engaging. I I want to mention uh, a quote from your daughter uh, because I think that this is so relevant to what she came up with. And she's a millennial, and she said—you have this in in the book— There's no such thing as finding time. You can't make time. It's not like you can go out and find time hiding in a bush or make time appear. You've got to plan time. That's how we can make our lives different, by planning the time to make changes for it to be different. That was so wise. It was. very. It is very wise. Because you can't make it. We can't create more time, and we can't find it, but... What we can do is to use it in in effective ways for a balanced life. Is what I think you're saying. Yes, and what I find so interesting about that
2: too is uh, the planning aspect of it. We plan so many things. We plan a vacation. We plan where we're, you know, what we're going to have for dinner. The basics of every day.
1: Oh, listen! I have on my iPhone. I have. My cal. I wake up in the morning and say, "What am I supposed to be doing today?" Because if I don't have that calendar, I don't even know what I'm what I'm supposed to do. And if I don't check it, I'm in trouble. And that's all planning. You yeah, know? it's planning.
2: And I think you know, again, to go back to that, as you asked about, how did everything slide into this pot of busy, so to speak? Without the planning in there, and planning can be very offsetting for people. Here, I write a book about break it with busy. Now, you want me to do what? You want me to meditate. You want me to plan. You want me to do all these other things. <laughs> no. But I think the key is, Justine, is that we have to take it one small shift, not even a change, a shift at a time. One, because this is about creating a lifestyle Sustaining a lifestyle. This isn't about getting the quick fix. This isn't about something that we're going to change to do and and change today and then repeat and do something different tomorrow. This is about a life that we want to sustain a wellness and a balance to it. And until we can wrap our head around the fact and the idea and the practice, and really if we approach this as a practice, not as something that we have to do, um, if we approach it as a practice, knowing full well that when we create space and time, when we include things like meditation practice into our lives, when we take a walk in nature, when we when we do these things, we are benefiting not only our Body, But our mind, we have to take care of our brain. We're living longer now. We want a healthy brain as much as a compassionate,
1: conscious mind and a healthy body. I want to remind our listeners, I'm here with Yvonne Talley, and she's the author of Breaking Up With Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. And she also includes men here, too, even though it, it says it's for women. We'll talk about that in one moment. I want to remind our listeners that you can check in to all that Yvonne has to offer on her website, YvonneTalley.com. And she spells her last name T is in tango, A-L-L-Y, YvonneTalley.com. Or you can get there on the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm here with Yvonne Talley. She is the author of Breaking Up with Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. I'm going to say Overscheduled People, all of us. Yvonne, you just mentioned briefly, you were saying for men and women, you see a slight difference between how women are being overscheduled from men, and can you describe what your experience of that is? Yeah, there's there's some
2: real concrete differences, and if I was going to start out with one, I would start out with the economics of it, and that is that still to this day, women on average make about 80 cents on the dollar compared to men, and if you're a woman of color, that's about 64 cents on the dollar compared to men. So that's a concrete example right there. We have to work longer. Um, and we are changing that. It is shifting, but it's going to take a very lo- it's taking a very long time to make that happen. Additionally, two thirds of women working outside of the home, and there's more of us now, still care for school age children. So that is something that we have to take care of. That isn't something we can just say, I'll get to it tomorrow. We have to take care of the family. And then in addition to that, we're looking at 80, per- we're still taking on 80% of what's called non-paid work. And those are all of the things that we need to do each day to make life go, including our work, doctor's appointments, caring for the family, whatever that might be. Uh, There was a recent study done on the the fact that we start out about 6.30 in the morning and there's a soft close to the day about 9.30. But if you're a woman working outside of the home raising children, and even if you're not raising children, you're going to be more likely to care for an aging parent, and there's more of us now, Uh, you're going to be the one that's going to be doing that. So you've got things that need to be done. And they're long days that continue day in, day out. And it's very easy for us to slip out of uh, putting ourselves into the optional column of each day for our health and wellness because we've got so many things. We spend 14 hours a day in that category of getting things done. That's just the necessities of life. So these things
1: play a large role. I'm reminded of uh, Stephen Covey and that, that part of that quadrant that he talks about. It's, he sets it up for business, but it really applies here, I think. That part of the quadrant is where we're doing other people's work that's urgent. And, you know, and, and like caring for elderly parents, you know, I mean, it, it's like who's going to step into that? It's urgent, but, but we're doing that one.
2: Yeah, and there's this idea, that's a really great point that you bring up, Justine, because there's a difference between urgent and important. So urgent is the house is on fire, get out. And important is we need to get to the doctor because we have X appointment for such and such. Those are important things that we need to do. What has happened, the other piece that I was going to move into now, this is where men and women, we show up together, and that's that technology that we, we talked about earlier, Uh This is something that occupies so much of our time now, and and it has the promise of making things more convenient and easy. But what we've done is we've just added more things into the space that we now have somebody maybe perhaps delivering the food rather than us going and buying it or whatever the case might be. But we've added more things into that space because, again, busy means important Time is valuable, we don't want to waste it. So technology has a big uh, piece of this and look at the urgency of technology. Look at the immediacy of technology. So this is a pattern that we get ourselves into. It's like a pressure,
1: a constant pressure.
2: Well, it's also a pace, and we get used to the pace. If we're busy, you know, again, what we practice goes strong. We practice being busy, and we're really good at it now.
1: It's like that story of the frog that slowly, it's in the water, and slowly the water heats up and heats up, and, and it, you just the frog doesn't notice, and finally it just gets to boiling. And you're in a boiling pot. And you're in a boiling pot. It's yeah. really that, that we, don't, we, we haven't even noticed how our lives have shifted. It just kind of happens in this Yes,
2: and some of the signs of that busyness, we could be very easily write off as just another thing happening, such as insomnia, such as skin issues, such as low libido, such as conflict in our relationships. Uh, All of these things are created because we're distracted. We're not caring for the things that that are so important for us to pay attention to.
1: There's someone you quote in the book, and I laughed out loud when I read it, And it was someone who said, if I could outsource brushing my teeth, I would do it. And I'm thinking, boy, that's me when I brush my teeth. And I'm thinking, I'm almost resistant to take the time to do it. Honestly, that's, wow. That is a great awakening that you just, that is a really great
2: thing you just said. Because if you're having that feeling that just the necessities of every day, then it's time for us to take a look at our pace. And I always say there's three things, because I like to talk about solutions. Here's a way that you can kind of just, and have fun with it, kind of get to that idea of what your pace is about. So there's three things you can do. You can slow down the way you talk. You can slow down the way you walk. You can even slow down the way you drive. Just try those three things or one of those just for a day. And what it will do, it might not have any, bit. you might go back to driving fast and talking fast. But the point is, is that you're going to become conscious. And that's really where change and shifting uh, behaviors begins is in the conscious realm. You're going to become conscious of just how fast you're traveling through your life. I always say, you know,
1: you're not running a race. You're here to live a life.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a good
1: point. Hey, what's the end result? Am <laughs> I right? We're all going to end up with that end result. So why not really enjoy it, really be present to it is really what one of the themes. I love for you, Yvonne, you you said something about the the small shifts. Like we don't have to think about, you just mentioned three little shifts that we could do. We don't have to solve it all in one big thing because we'll probably fail at that. We absolutely will. So you want us to be successful. So how can we be successful in moving the pace of our life, pulling it back a bit and when I have a client that comes in and there's
2: always going to be, a, you know, different, different approaches for, for all of us. But one of the first things I always start with is not only to try those three things, just try and see how you feel with doing those three changes. Or, uh, the, the thing I always try to express to them and get across to them is, what is it that you want? What do you need To get to that want, because often what will happen, the conversation will go something like this. Well, I want and then a list of things. Now, those are just the external things. And I'm like anyone else. I like nice things as well. But what is the need behind them? What do you now need to do to get to that want? It can be very concrete, very functional what you have to do. But there's usually something underlying Within Can you that. give an
1: example? Yes.
2: For instance, if I have a client that comes in, and let's say it's a, a client who wants to lose weight. Very, very common thing that many of us want and desire. And if, the, if the, the client responds back, well, I want to lose weight, then my job is to say, tell me more about that. How much weight do you want to lose? Well, I haven't really thought about that. Then I know that there's something else that's underneath that much more than just the pounds. This isn't about numbers. This is about how am I going to feel when I get to that place of having less weight in and on my body. So it's about digging underneath that. So what do I need to do? So we're going to start with, well, what do you need to do to lose? Now we've discovered five pounds. What do you need to do to lose five pounds? Well, I don't know. I need to go to the gym. Do you see how vast that is and how broad that is? What we want to do is we want to bring it down so it has a detail in it. So it absolutely says exactly what we're going to do. And that's a process I call whittling. We want to take that story and whittle it down to a functional sentence, maybe eight, 10, 12 words. So it could end up sounding something like this when she leaves the office. Tuesday, Thursday, 5 p.m., one-hour workout. Or Tuesday, 15-minute workout for six weeks. It depends on where the person is at because I'll often have a client come in and say, what is three minutes more on my 10-minute workout going to do for me? And I always say, let's just begin there because it's not the 13 minutes we're trying to get to. It's your big picture.
1: Right. And whatever that 13 minutes is or, or three minutes, whatever it is, you actually put it in your calendar as an important event in your life, is what I know that you would, that's something that you would say we, we could do. Definitely something we can do, and there's a, there's
2: a couple of other things that we could do in that process. And we, since you mentioned the three minutes, there's the three minute, what I call the three minute meditation magic. Now, why is that important? Well, again, we're trying, where, to create, where does creativity and imagination expand? It expands in the quiet moments. So this is why, and what happens in meditation? Well, we fire up our prefrontal cortex. Why is that important? That's where we plan. We reason. That's where we come up with creative solutions. So these are functional things that are important for brain health and wellness. What happens when you take a deep breath in meditation? You stimulate what's called the vagus nerve. What is that about? Well, that signals the the, uh, central nervous system to lower the heart rate, Lower your blood pressure and lower the cortisol that is produced by anxiety and stress. So just thinking, all of these great things coming from those I, quick moments. I, I,
1: when you were saying that, I, I was thinking uh, we're actually, that three-minute meditation, that pause, we're decluttering our brain.
0: And that's, that's exactly a big right. thing.
1: You talk about clearing out clutter, and that's internal clutter, all that chatter. And just kind of calming it down for those three minutes.
2: And it can be very um, difficult if you are leading a very busy life to all of a sudden now say, I have to meditate on top of everything else. And that's why I always say, let's look at this this way. Let's think of it as a practice. Just practice it. Begin with one minute. That's that small shift that I talk about because the big picture is what we want to keep in mind. And how do you create a big picture? One stroke of the pen at a time. That's how you do it. It's not like you set out in this huge canvas. Let's begin with that one stroke at a time, that one shift, whatever it may be. Choose what feels natural or good to you or not. And try one thing at a time. It might be the three-minute meditation. It might be reconnecting with nature outside on a walk. Whatever it might be that's going to... It might be taking one thing off of your list. It might be choosing to say no to things in a compassionate, kind way so that you can create space to grow your ideas, your creativity, your imagination, and produce the life that you desire.
1: So then now, now you just said a big thing, to, to actually learn to say no mm-hmm. in our lives. I mean, that's, that's, I know that that's not just like, we can skip over that because that's a big one. That's a big one, how I often think of the phrase, if you want to get something done, ask a busy woman. Yeah, And that's what that's my life that I get asked to do all sorts of things because I have a lot of skills in my in my basket and I, I know how to accomplish a lot of things. So I'm asked so often and then I get that that like, well, who else could do it? I've got it. I've got to say Yes. Mm-hmm. And there we go. Well, uh, a, a lot of that has to—when
2: And when we talked earlier about the difference between men and, and women, this is kind of a great page that we can take from a man's playbook, I think, quite often. Not only do they make more leisure for them, time for themselves during the week, about 40 percent more, but they also are really great about saying no. And I'm using a broad brush here to paint yes, with. Yes, So But as as women, we're often the, the caregivers, the nurturers, the providers— And that is a big reason why we don't get, we don't practice that muscle of saying no.
1: Exactly, exactly. I'm here with Yvonne Talley, and she is the author of Breaking Up with Busy Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. I'm Justine Willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Yvonne Talley, and she is the author of Breaking Up with Busy, Real-Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. And we were just talking talking about saying no in a healthy way, or even learning how to say no, especially as women, because we so often don't get to practice that.
2: Yeah, it is very unfamiliar to many women, you know, often, and I was raised by a mother, who was working two jobs and for the most of the time was a single mother of six kids. And even I was not introduced into the, the, the idea concept of, of no. It, was, it is a complete sentence, and you can begin a sentence with it. So it is really important that we have that balance and boundary in life to be able to say no. And often what happens is if we operate under the attitude that everything is important, then nothing will be important.
1: So setting a boundary of echoing... <laughs> Say that. Wait, wait, let's not let's gloss over that one. That was a big statement. Say, what What about if everything is important? If we operate under the idea, if everything is
2: important, and that's a great quote, and I can't remember who it's by. If we operate under the idea that everything is important, then nothing is important. We give it all the same credentials. And so we have to have a way to figure out what is, in, you know, we talked a little bit about urgency and importance. What is important to us? Urgencies are going to come time in and time out. They're going to they're gonna arrive into our lives from, from one time to another. But things that are important, we have to determine what that is. And, and there's a way to do that, by the way.
1: I, I want to give an example in my own life about something I i I know I've had the opportunity to say, what do I value what what are my values what what do I really care about and uh, one of the things that all that end up at the top of my list has to do with friendship and so I have to say Yvonne to myself when a friend let's say calls me on the phone or sends me an email, I have to Make a very conscious effort. It doesn't come naturally to me because it's right in the middle of my busy whatever I'm doing. I take a deep breath and I say, wait a minute, I value this friendship. The most important thing I can do right now is pause and and be in contact, be present for this friend right now. And that's not easy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not easy, but... Kind of, I have to remind myself, wait a minute, I value this more than whatever multitasking I'm doing. I value this friendship. I need to give it time and energy. Value
2: is everything because what we value is what we pay attention to, and that's going to be different for each of us. That's where that time thing comes in as well. You know, what I might consider this is taking forever. Another person might feel as though. It's going so quickly. So, you know, we talk about time. A clock was put in place to make sure everybody started work on time and got done, you know, left work on time. But really, time is really determined by our own experiences. So when you talk about value, it's the beliefs and values that are connected. When we have those in unison and those are operating together— with what we believe and what we value, that is when we set ourselves, that's when we're going to be successful. That's when we're going to create incredible solutions, astounding changes in our lives, because there's not going to be a conflict between the two. And it's sustainable. It's absolutely sustainable. And that's what I want us to think about is sustainability this is not just about making a quick change so that, we, you know, the example we used earlier about losing weight, because it's all tied into something completely different. If we can find the value behind, in that case, the value behind why we want to lose weight, and we have a belief that's connected with that, that is operating on the same, you know, they're, they're compatible,
1: then we will make that shift. You know, I, I want to give another example about, specifically about losing weight. In the last, like, two years, I've lost 80 pounds. Woo, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. But, but it happened when I absolutely understood that what my belief system was that was operating unconsciously and incorrectly, it was, maybe it worked at one time in my life, but it continued to work, that I had, I had hooked up physical weight with power. That when I started losing weight, I thought, "Oh my goodness, how am I going to be powerful if I lose this weight?" And that helped me to go into, "Wait a minute, wait, is that really true? Is that true that 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 if I have a lot of weight, then I'm powerful? Is there are there other ways I could be powerful?" And then it just changed everything. And then I had to walk through it and do all those increments and do everything, but. It it was like you talked about looking at what what is my want? Yeah, what do you need? And to what get... I wanted to do was to be powerful, and, and I was getting there in an incorrect way. Well, in in an unresourceful way. Unresourceful. That's, that's the
2: NLP person okay, in me. Okay, great, great. Uh, the un, unresourceful. So you found when you—and I have a— uh, a uh, exercise in here called The Power of Your Beliefs. What happens is many times, and I want to touch on that. That's just incredible. You've created that change in your life. Um, you know, when we walk through life, we, we're brought into this world. We take on the beliefs and the family structure, and we get at some point in our life, we have to <laughs> slow down enough to look at those, or we can slow down uh, enough to look at those beliefs and say, is that working for me? Yeah. And guess what? The power is that you get to change it. You are in charge of that change. You get to make the choices in your life. You're the gatekeeper. We all are of our lives. And once we give ourselves that power, the possibilities are limitless of what we can create. Now, I don't want to come across as Little Miss Mary Sunshine and everything's all, you know, roses coming up. Um, I've had difficult, many difficult times in my life, real hardships, watch my mother go through real hardship. I am so grateful that she always kept a positive attitude and always allowed us to see that we could take one thing, make a shift and move forward. And that's really where I adopted that whole attitude was I could take one piece. She would always say, "How how do you eat an elephant? By the way, I would never eat an elephant. I love elephants. Yeah, right. And, and I remember the first time she said that, I looked at her as though she'd lost her head. And, of course, I you know, responded, I have no idea. She said, one bite at a time. Anytime you have a big situation in front of you, a challenge, whatever it might be, or something fun. Maybe you're planning a great event. One element at a time. Exactly. Break it down right. to the one element. And you talked about friendships and and uh, the time and the urgency and the value and the beliefs. What we want to think about is think of a heart and in the heart is that's your inner circle. Those are the people that you can call at 3 a.m. They've got your back. You can call them. You can be who you are. You can show up at the door with your hair in a knot. It doesn't matter. They love you. They accept you. They'll tell you the truth. They're always there for you. When we step outside of that circle, that's our outer circle. These are the people that we might see at work on an occasion. We know their names. We might have gone to a party at their house, but we don't see them very often, except perhaps at work. But we don't have a relationship with them outside of that. And then outside of that is that peripheral circle. Those are the people that we might wave to at the gym or that we see at the grocery store uh, that we might say, oh, thank you for parking you know, in a way that I can actually get out of my car type of thing. These are people that we'll see in our social circle, but that we don't have a relationship with ever. So think about social media now because they're outside of the peripheral circle ah. and where are we spending our time? So when that friend calls you, And you stop and you pause and you make space and time for that friend. That's because that friend is in that inner circle. Now, if that person calling you is somebody trying to sell you, you know, a a, a new siding on your house, that's somebody you don't know. You don't need to spend the time with it. But think of all the people that. And I'm not, I'm not advocating to hang up on people when they're calling on a sales pitch. I've been in that position before. We all want to be polite. But think about the amount of time that we spend with those distractions yeah. that are outside of that inner exactly. circle. It's a good kind of a formula to keep in mind when we start beating ourselves up for taking the time to be you know, available to a friend.
1: Yvonne, you, you mentioned the word pause. And that just reminds me, in your background, there was a time that you were a stewardess. And you learned something in that training of being a stewardess when when everything is chaotic. Tell tell (laughs) us a story of that and how it's helped you even now that you're doing many, many other things. But how does it help?
2: 100%. So as a flight attendant, we had called the 30-second review, and it was plus 3, minus 8. The first three minutes of a flight and the last eight minutes because those are the critical times. Those are the times when error can happen and when difficulties t- when things can show up as an emergency. And that's that takeoff and landing. So we were trained that we do a mental review. I just love this. I thought they were so far ahead of their time. This was with TWA years ago. And uh they sent us through transactional analysis and all this other stuff. So part <laughs> of what we did, they were incredible. So part of what we did is you sat on the jump seat. And you went through all of the scenarios of the what if. Now, this is where imagination and what if are a strength and a power for us. So if this door is blocked, then I use this door. If there's fire here, I go this way. And you go through the whole procedure of what could happen. We did it plus three minus eight. That's why you always saw a flight attendant sitting on her jump seat, his jump seat, quiet, not talking, not on a phone. Why? Because the job of the flight attendant is to care for the safety of the flight in the cabin. The job of the pilots is to make sure that he has safety overall. Obviously, right. they're in charge. So that was a big thing. And I, I still use this to that, to that technique is in the three-minute meditation. That's really when we're in a situation that we want to take a pause. Let's say you've got a day that's spinning out of control. You've got a meeting that you're going to, and you've got to get your mind about you. Pause. Take three minutes. Mentally go through how you want that meeting to be. Let it go. Take a big breath and walk in. It's a, it's a
1: great way to recalibrate and reboot you recalibrate. your day. Recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. In your book, you really talk about something called super solutions, the five super solutions Uh is it, that,
2: it, yeah, it's a five-step super solution process, and this is kind of this where I merge the neurolinguistic program training and the mindfulness and the practical sense. So everything, in, all of the techniques and the, the quick solutions in the book are all built on, they're solution-based. Obviously, that's, that's the key is let's get out of the problem and into the solution. So the super solutions are five steps. So the first thing, obviously, we're going to state the problem. Well, guess what typically happens? most of us stay in the first step and we go on and on and on <laughs> about the problem. We give a lot of energy and attention to the problem. So what I do is I use the problem to create the solution. So I do what I call the flip, flip it over and create the solution that comes from that. You whittle that down into a sentence that actually makes sense. I have no time. I keep using working out and, and, uh, food for, I don't know why, but I have no time to work out. Well, And that's why I don't have any energy and I can't do X, Y, and Z. Right. We'll flip it around. I am creating time on and get it really narrow, going back to what we talked about earlier, workout, Tuesday, Thursday, 5 p.m. Right to the facts.
1: So it becomes a kind of you're making (coughs) up a mantra for yourself, a positive
2: mantra. You're making up a mantra, which is that second step of flipping the statement. Then you're going to do what I call spotlight it. So you take your intention. That's what you want to create right now in the moment. And your attention, what you want to produce, what you want to create, what what you want. And then you're going to do what I call sensing meditation with that. You're going to build a new story. And you can do it in one minute or you can do it in three minutes or you can do it in 30 minutes, depending on what you want to do. You want to put the color and the fabric into it. We're
1: going to put the color and fabric about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Yvonne Talley. She's the author of breaking up with busy, real-life solutions for overscheduled women. I'm Justine Willis-Toms here listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Yvonne Talley. We're talking about breaking up with busy, and that's the name of her book, Breaking Up With Busy, Real-Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. And we're talking about five steps for super solutions. And we're right at that third solution, which is...
2: Yeah, the third step. Well, that's what I call spotlighting, and that's really really where the storytelling comes in. So just to recap, if we were going to use, for example, saying no is really difficult for so many women. We started to touch on that a little bit earlier. It, you know, we don't practice that muscle. We're we're brought up to, you know, get along, play nice, you know, be nice, all of those things. And as I said earlier, even though my mother was raising us on our own, I still got that message. And that was a, a hard thing for me to get around to, to say that, what I call the healthy no. and That's not about being unhelpful. That's about setting a boundary for yourself. So you could use this super solution in this process. So... Stating the problem could be that, here I go again, I've committed to do something that I don't, that I don't have, really have the time to do, that's not of value to me, that doesn't fall into my heart circle, which is really where this time is coming from. Now I'm going to pull away from that. How do I deliver my healthy no? Okay, that's the solution. The solution is to deliver the healthy no. So we're going to establish what we're going to say. Then on that third step, which we were talking about earlier, the storytelling, you know, this is we use our imagination in storytelling and in meditation. We use our imagination every single day in a non-resourceful way, unresourceful way. And that is in the what if scenarios that is in the past and in the future. I want people to use it to create what they want. So you're going to use your imagination in this storytelling. You're going to walk yourself through that experience of delivering you're healthy, no, and I always say deliver it with compassion, kindness, consistency, and clarity. So, so is
1: it like is it like uh, an athlete uh, really imagining their their how performance. their performance performance? So it's it's like 100%. you're making you're making up this novel of how it's going to be. Is that what you're saying? It's exactly on the same premise
2: we use that quite a bit when we're working with that. when we work with athletes that not only is it the physical training, it's the mental training because just like all the elite athletes that you, you see, that here they are on the court, the tennis court, and one loses. They're both amazing trainers. Maybe the other person just had that better, not only physical stamina, but also the mental stamina. So it's very important that we get into that space and we can do that. We might not be on the tennis court doing an elite, you know, tennis battle, but we can do this in our storytelling. So you create that situation. Feel it, be in it, look at it, deliver your healthy no. How are you going to feel after you do that when you know that you've done done it in a way that not only honors
1: yourself but honors the other person? And the brain doesn't know the difference between imagining it and it actually happens out in the world. That's That's, how we create our reality. That's it. That's how how you create it. The brain thinks the same hormones get released and all sorts of things happen in, the, in our whole physiology when we imagine something. And That's 100%
2: correct, and also the brain wants to please. So when we begin to turn on that conscious brain and we set that story into motion of what we want to create— We begin to look for those examples. We begin to see those examples. We begin to look for evidence that will fit our story. We do the same thing in a non-resourceful way. We get ready to go to a meeting and there's that person that we end up sitting next to that always does the same thing in the meeting. And before we even get into the meeting, we've already set ourselves up to be irritated and annoyed by this person. We're already in that
1: space. We've already created it. We walked in the room with it. So we're
2: going to look for that now. We've set ourselves up for it. Well, what happens if we stand outside of the door and and decide that day, that particular meeting, that we're going to have a different attitude about it, that we're going to find something that's positive about that person? Because we all have positivity within us.
1: And that expands our ability to see and notice. Compassion. And physiologically, it expands our blood vessels. We get more blood to the, flowing to the brain. Well, this uh, is why it's so fascinating in meditation what happens
2: to the brain in meditation. That's why I often... We'll start a client with that three minutes because it's so powerful. You are creating that space. You're lowering those those hormones that are blocking you from thinking clearly. That's really powerful. And in the five step solution, once you get into that mindful checkpoint, you know where you go into that sensing meditation, then you come into the fifth uh, fifth step, and that's where you make your outcome statement. What you know, you got your intention. That is what you want in the immediate moment. What's your outcome statement? And that's your, as you said, your mantra. And then you can repeat that easily, make it short. I always tell corporations when I'm working with them, make your tagline short. Make your mission statement short. You have to be able to remember it. That's what's important about it. So you can repeat it and use your attributes, your resources within you to create that moment, that day, that week, that life that you desire. So
1: if you imagine yourself stepping on an elevator and you have three floors, somebody's in the elevator and they say, What's important to you in your life? Family and friends, people,
2: relationships. That's what matters to me. And in addition to that, so how do you get to a place where you can have those rich relationships? We have to take care of ourselves. This isn't about going out and running and skipping and jumping and working out. In fact, um, there was a, a recent information about the number one way to stay healthy is to have relation to have healthy relationships to be engaged. It's that isolation that so many people face that is really tears us down and affects our not only our mental health but our physical health as well. Because they all it's all one merging of of yes. energy. Uh, so it's important that we maintain those relationships. But we have to maintain the relationship with ourself first.
1: They're webbed together. They are not separate. We've, we've learned that everything is separated into all these categories and silos, but fingers on a hand, they're all webbed together. That's what's important. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so when we're in the habit of busy and we're, we're breaking up with that, we take one small step at a time. Just remember this, you have a life to honor and you honor it first by honoring yourself. That's how you honor the people in your life that you love as well caring for yourself, expanding your ability and your consciousness to be able to do that. We can make simple adjustments one at a time to bring that into our lives more. So,
1: Yvonne, it's actually important for everything, for the baseline is to take care of ourselves. Well, what I'm trying to say is that when we say yes to everything and we get so busy all out there and everything and we think that we're contributing to all of that, but that really what we need to do and help us to know what what that's like. Yeah, you've got to restore and rejuvenate yourself. If you work
2: and we know now anything over 50 hours a week you're it's just not going to be functional it's not going to be sustainable it's not going you're not doing anything effective at that point and I've often get pushed back on uh, especially in the silicon valley when i'm working with businesses where you know they're in there 80 90 hours a week well you can do that you absolutely can do that i'm not going to tell you not to do that but let's take a look at what else is going on in your life and is it still rich are you still having relationships that are are considered Rich in your life, because something has to give. And I often say, something's got to give. Stop making it yourself all of the time. Stop being the one that's overgiving all the time. And this is something we as women do frequently. When we overgive, we take away from someone else that amazing sensation of being in the giving role. Because it is a give and a receive. You know that great feeling that you do, that we get when we, we do something nice for someone or we're giving to someone. If we're always the one in that position, just think of it this way. We're taking it away from someone else, so balance it out.
1: So you also have a list of the kinds of people that we are tendency, our tendency, like to be a pleaser or to be... An optimist and keeping up with all sorts of things, you know, uh, that we just take on or, or uh, the perfectionist. There is one. There's one. Let's, we don't have time to go through all of them, but let's go through one just to give an example. The perfectionist. What is that like to be a perfectionist?
2: well as a recovered perfectionist <laughs> i'm glad you chose that one well the five types are the pleaser the perfectionist the alpha the sorority sister and the time optimist and what i found were all the clientele that i've worked with over the you know 25 plus years these are that these are the types so you might find that you're a combination of one or two or or more but the perfectionist is but one that popped up Often and still does. And so I talk about the traps that we get ourselves into, and that traps are set up on the shoulds of life. In fact, another tip that I would share with my clients is if you feel that you're really busy, and obviously you do because you're reading the book and you're here in my office, let's just do one simple thing today. Let's exchange that word should for could. I should break up with busy. I could, could break, break with up with so just exchange that word today and see how your day begins to shift. Again, yeah. simple technique, very simple. Very so the, simple. But the very perfectionist effective. is she's methodical, detailed oriented, creative, artistic. She's you know she's the she loves beautiful things so to speak. Um, and the fear for her, how she gets set up, is her fear of failure. So this perfectionism. It protects her from being judged. But really, if she's slowed down enough, the judgment is coming from her. her. It's coming yeah. from within. And that, isn't that true for all it's of us? It's true. It's true. But this idea of perfectionism, if, I, if everything is just perfect, then no one will see between the cracks. Right. And that, that can really set her up. So her self-care is what I call um, a, a little exercise that's called safe. Say what you need. Put your actions into words. Or actions put words into motion. Face your fear because everything we want is on the other side of fear. We know that. And then the E stands for evolve because saying what you want, putting words into action, identifying your fear, all of that will allow you to evolve. So think of it as progress, not perfection. Today I made progress. And when we can start to wrap our energy and ourselves around that idea, then we'll be probably a
1: lot happier. Oh, we could just go on and on. I thank you so much, Yvonne, for being with us today. I've been speaking with Yvonne Talley. She's the author of Breaking Up with Busy, Real-Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. And her website is YvonneTalley.com. T is in Tango, A-L-L-Y, YvonneTalley.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3659.
0: New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California.